Hello and welcome to Freedom Through Truth, a broadcast outreach of Ministries of Wayne Weaver, bringing the freedom of God through the truth of God's Word. Let's tune in to today's message. God said what He did, and or if it was all just fake, or were you hearing something else? And I would like to bring uh, another man into the picture in this out of the Bible. His name is Elijah. And we want to look at his life and see that he has endured the same things of what I'm just talking about. And I believe it had to do with a balance that God wanted to teach him of a great work that would lay right in front of him without Elijah knowing this. See, if we would go back and look at Elijah in the day that he was walking in uh, Tishbite, which is not far from Amman, Jordan, about uh, just if you look at the map, and I've been, I've been to Amman, Jordan several times, and you look at the map and you're about 30 miles, be 30 miles uh, northwest of Amman, Jordan, which was Tel Amman, which even the Bible speaks about that, I believe. And then you have this little city, little town called Tishbite. There's another name for it now. But this is where this man was obviously raised in a little Jewish family. And he was a little boy, he grew up, and as he saw that what transpired trans, uh, in Israel right across the Jordan River, which Israel at this time had, was part of where he lived, we see this young man, somehow he had a burden on his heart because he saw that it seems that the kings were just failing one after another one, the kings of Israel, since the kings were being put in. Israel had desired to be run by kings rather than by judges. And so God gave them kings. And I believe uh, Ahab was the sixth, or Omri, I believe Omri was the sixth from the beginning, and then I believe Ahab would have been number seven, if I have that correct. But what we see here is God dealing with a situation that a whole country started to going backward, like we see America going. America is going really fast. If you look at the first blood moon that happened here last year to where we are today, it is almost unbelievable what has happened to the world. We never heard of ISIS before that. There is a release of venom from the pits of hell that have come out across the world, and it's taking it like a firestorm. And so we see these things happening, but we see that America has turned away from God. One of the first things that Obama said when he became president was that America is no more a Christian nation. He declared that. And I've been declaring that back to God that yes, America is a Christian nation because there's severe consequences when a leader of that stature like Obama that has been put in as president will make a statement that America is no more a Christian nation. Even the Constitution is based on a lot of Judeo-Christian principles. And to say that America is no more a Christian nation is a horrible thing to say, and you will see consequences that will follow, and it will be quite severe. And this is what we're beginning to see. However, we also know that we're living in the end time, and the end is near, and the Bible does, does speak about this, how that things will start going wrong and, and what we will be looking at. So anyways, in the midst of perhaps a situation even more dire than what we have um, in United States of America or even the world condition was the, ta- the time when Ahab was the, the, we would call it president, but he was king of Israel. And he turned the people of Israel against God, and they started to worship other idols, and they worshiped other gods. This is the picture we get when this young man up by Tishbite got a burden, and he stood before the Lord. 
Now, I will stop there for a bit, and I will go back to some New Testament verses and try to get some background now as we go forward. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 49, it says, And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. It is speaking simply here about two things that exist in my body and in your body. If you have been born again, there is two things that become visible. One thing is the earthy, which is what I'm seeing today. I'm seeing you as here. Some of you are perhaps tired. Some of you are perhaps eager. Some of, some of you might really be looking for something. Some of you might be hungry for something spiritual. Others of you would be more like this. I don't know the condition. But what you have, you bear an image of two things. You bear the image of an earthy, which is what I see, your nose, your mouth, and the way you act, and also of a spiritual. There is a spiritual image that you're portraying. And there is a natural image that you're portraying. And it has to be that both of these will start and learn to work together. And this is what is called the balance between the soul and the spirit. You see, the soul is made of the, of the emotion, which is the emotion, the will, and the intellect. It's what you think, it's the will of man, and it's the emotional part of man. That is the soul part. And then the spiritual part of a man, which is what the Holy Spirit is, in which he dwells in the spirit of man. And somehow these two have to be in balance. You cannot be all soul, or you will crowd out the spirit. And you will never be all spirit, unless you'll be taken away like Elijah was right at the very end, and perhaps Enoch. They were finally, there was not enough flesh in them, and the vacuum from heaven just brought them up, and they were gone. And so what we want to look at, that God needed to establish a leader that stood before him, that had absolute balance in what God could do and perfect correctly through the prophetic words that he spoke. You cannot have a man too emotional in this. You cannot have a man that has no emotions in it. A man that would not be emotional could not get this job done. A man that is overly zealous, has too much zeal, and not according to knowledge, there is the imbalance in this. And so what we're dealing with is God looking at a situation of Israel being destroyed from the inside out and wanting to reverse this order by a simple man that stood with no special calling that we know of, no special household name that we know of, but he somehow he stood before the Lord. That is one thing that is very clear. And I would like to uh, speak a lot more about standing before God. There is something very dramatic about this experience. See, there's one thing to kneel before God, it's another thing to stand before him. Abraham, with the condition of Lot in Sodom, he stood before the Lord and he challenged the Lord about some things in Sodom. God told him that I'm going to destroy the city. He said, you cannot destroy the righteous with the unrighteous. And he stood before him and there was dialogue back and forth. This is what it is to stand before the Lord. Elijah had this as a young man or as a man. He had this over in Tishbat as he looked across the valley or could look across the distant valley into known as Jerusalem at that point and so forth. And he saw the deterioration of God's blessing upon that country and nation. And he was a Mr. Nobody, he had no special education. He had nothing special about him. The only thing that really kind of stood out to him was the way he dressed. And it was quite dramatically different than what it was and what other people dressed. He was like, 
He had a lot of hair on him. The Bible says he wore uh, a leather girdle and his diet or his appetite was somewhat different. And so he was somewhat viewed as a different man. He's just, there was something different about this man. And I believe in that, that he was different. God could use him in ways that pride could not, been, uh, could not have been used. And so he drained him from those different things. Now we want to look at some things here. God has to bring a soul and a spirit into heaven's balance in order to use it with his power. And, and this is so important. There's a lot of people that have great zeal, and I've had that myself, and fell right flat on my face. And I thought I heard from God maybe in things, and I did hear from God. And the next thing I know, something started going wrong, and it was a misunderstanding that I started to have in my heart. And I would like to associate this with the same experience of what Elijah had. When we look at the life of Elijah, we will find this. Um, the process, this process can be most difficult, complicating, disruptive, and misunderstanding. A man, a person that has such a zeal for God, like Elijah would have, he'd stand in front of a king, Ahab, which Ahab had the power to destroy him. But he stood before Ahab and he told Ahab the condition of what he is doing and what he is, he is allowing to pour out over that country and that God is going to seal up the heavens and it will not rain until Elijah will say it shall rain. What a command. What would that be for you and I to be called to go and stand in front of a president, perhaps of the United States of America, to stand in front of him and say that because of the deteriorated, the deteriorated conditions that you have induced into our country, I will declare in the name of Jesus that it will not rain and you will not see rain until I command it to. What a huge word. What would the media do today with a word like that? What would happen and the next thing you know it starts drying up? And it seems that there's, the rains weren't coming anymore and the things started getting very dry and very dry. After three and a half years it became really, really dry based on what that man said. That little man was a man of importance. But God gave him an instruction after he spoke that word of faith. And this is what happened. And we want to look at this. Let me read some of my notes here again. This process can be most difficult, complicating, disruptive, and misunderstanding. It is the process where questions seldom get answers. The overgrown soul power of a man diminishes and grieves the Spirit of God. In John chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now we're talking about the sons of God. It, for, for as many as received him, Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God does not mean that when you're born again, you're classified as a son of God. It says, for as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And in becoming a son of God, there's a process. Now, am I saying you're not saved when you get born again? It's not talking about salvation. It's talking about the difference of being a man of God, a son of God, being one of God's men versus somebody that uses God perhaps as a secondary thing for their own salvation. We're talking about people that have been sold out for the cause of Christ. 
Now it says, this divine sonship that comes from God, the way into becoming a son of God, has nothing to, or has nothing to do with being born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. In other words, these things have to die. Let's look again. I'll read the, both verses again, 12 and 13 of John 1. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. If the condition is believing on his name, by which were born, or which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but by God. And I would like to ask you today, if you struggle with being born of the will of man is there something that is about our will that is so strong that we constantly teeter and seesaw between the will of God and the will of man we're talking about the sons of God are not born by the will of man but they're they're God born God has taken them through a place and walked them through places they are God born people it's what he's speaking about has nothing to do with the will of man. It's what I want. I'd like to do this. God, I, I would like to give up. I'll give you everything, but there's a condition. Those are not God-born people. We're talking about an experience that goes quite deeply, that goes into a very, very deep surrender. And by the way, I find that many Christians, and perhaps I'm speaking to some of you here today, that many Christians have never gone through a real dying out process to God. Holding on to things and always trying to live the better life, live a better life. I'm try trying to do harder and trying to do much better and better and better. Always be failing. But I find that most Christians or all Christians that get somewhere in their Christian experience one day will be flat on their face before God and before man and give it all up. The past sins have to come out. They have to be confessed. There has to be an absolute deep surrender to God, regardless of the cost. Thank you for listening to today's program. We hope you were blessed. This program is made possible by the generous donations of our listeners. Check out our website and get our weekly word e-letter by signing up at www.ministriesofwayneweaver.com. Until next time, God bless.